Today I want to bring you a message, I'm entitling it, The Church As It Is Intended to Be. I think you're going to see that it all involves around kind of one particular subject, and that subject is worship. You see, it is impossible to do the things of God until you know God. And it is impossible to worship God until you know God. And when we learn to worship and what that is, then it changes everything about today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. Now I want to open the scripture to the fourth chapter of John, the fourth chapter of John. And I want to read to you from verse 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father seeketh such to worship him. The first thing you do when you become a born-again believer, the first opportunity you have to express what you have in your life is to worship. Now, that doesn't mean if you get saved on Monday, you wait till the following Sunday to worship. But even in that moment of thanksgiving, even in that moment of praise, when you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for comforting me, even in my afflictions that I'm, I'm observing right now. You know, it is much easier, I think, that years have taught me this. It is much easier for a Christian to work for God than to minister to God. I think it is easier to do godly things, church work, whatever you want to call it, than it is to be continually aware that Jesus is here, that he is hearing what I say. He is watching what I do. He knows what I am thinking. I am worshiping him. Everything I see, the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows his firmament. Every single day I discover, we would be saying, as we worship him, what an awesome God we serve. Every spring, and I've been through a lot of them, and looking at some of you, you have too. <laughs> We've gone through the summer, all the dead, everything. But then comes a little rain, even in Houston. And we begin to see the flowers, the grass. We begin to see the awesomeness of God. And we are reminded to worship him from whom all blessings flow. Let me tell you what worship is. We like to minister to others if you're a believer. We great, take great joy and, and privilege to just worship and to serve others and to give our attention to others. But 
The highlight is to worship God, to point to him and say, God, you're first. If you have a need, I want to meet that need. If you need a word of assurance and praise, God, I want to be the one to praise you. Lord, if you feel lonely that everybody has forsaken you, I want to snuggle up to you. And I want you to know that I am grateful for my salvation. I am thankful that thanks to Calvary, I was born again. I am thankful that I don't have to wonder what's going to happen when I die. Because I know, because you taught me that when you came to live in my life. You know, the secret to success, I think, is not making the chart or making the world's richest people list. I think that the secret of success is when you know you're standing in the presence of God. Wherever you are, hospital room, funeral parlor, church house, backyard, wherever you are, he is here. He is here. Thank you, Lord. My friends, I just don't know what's going to happen. How many times have you heard in the last year somebody say something wrong? I just don't know what's going on in our world. I don't know what's going on in America. I don't know what's going on in Houston. Let me tell you, I know one that knows what's going on. And I'm sticking with him. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'm not looking for a political party. I'm not looking for a candidate. I'm looking for a coming Savior. And one that is here, and you can touch him today in spirit. You can be born again today. You can have a brand new life today. Just think about it. All that junk in your past can be forgiven and forgotten. And Jesus says, follow me. Go with me. I like that song. He walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me what? I'm his own. Wow, that'll bless you. That'll bless you. That's really more of a blessing than winning a baseball game. All right, I just want to assure you of that because I know where your minds are. I just want to get relevant with the sermon, all right? But there ain't anything that brings more joy to a believer than to know I'm with the Lord. And to know when your loved one passes away, if they know Jesus, they're absent from the body, but they're present with the Lord. We cannot call them back, but we can go to be with them. But in the meantime, what's the journey going to be like from now until then? To the time when God calls us home or when the time that he comes back to this earth again? I want to quote Watchman Nee. He says, to come into the presence of God and kneel before him for an hour demands all of the strength that we possess. People say, well, I can't kneel. My knees are bad and I can't kneel and and so forth and so forth. And uh, we understand that. We're all getting older. But you don't have to kneel to come in the presence of the Lord. Just be still and know he's God. Just get in your lazy boy rocker and pull it back and just say, God, speak to my heart. Lord, I just want to love you. I want to praise you. Not for five minutes, but I just want to cut off everything around me. And I want to spend an hour just with you. Maybe the weather allow you to go outside. Maybe it's at night to look at a moon coming up. Maybe it's a sunset. 
Maybe it's by a still brook or a pond or, or a brook that is flowing past. But you have come to the moment that you want quality time with God. When that time comes and you say, Lord, speak to my heart. Come into my life. Now speak to me. Tell me what is my assignment. God starts off in silence. Then he moves into action. He speaks and he tells us, this is what I want you to do. And so you take what he says. You stop for a moment. You may rest for a moment. You may just relax and then say, now, Lord, give me my assignment one more time. And then you go out and wherever he leads you go. He has given his orders, his instructions, his love letter to you. Child, follow me. In Genesis 1:19, it's interesting when one looks at, it, at that it's, uh, real closely. It says there's evening and the morning were the fourth day. You notice where it starts? In the evening and the morning. Where do we start? In the morning and we're wore out by evening. But you see, even the Bible, as if the world is being formed, there was that quiet time, that getting ready time. I'm going to make announcement to the universe in a little while, but I'm right now, I'm just going to rest. I'm going to just rest in the arms of God. I'm going to get my instructions. I, I, I thought I, everybody that worked in my office is saved, but I know now two people that aren't. And God, I feel like that's my assignment, to be living proof of a loving God to a watching fellow employee. You sleep, then you work. Not too many people, when I was in, at Baylor, I came home in the summer and I worked for, for um, Champion Paper down where the tunnel is. I was, a, I was the uh, relief for those, the regular employees, for vacation. They go on vacation, and I was brought in to, to be there for those eight hours. Did you know what I noticed? That they all took it on the graveyard shift, you know. I mean, you know, for a teenager to be locked up at 12 o'clock at night till daylight might be a good idea. But anyway, that's, that was the way it was. And I can remember sitting on that stool and watching that 22 machine going around making paper for Look magazine and Life and Post and I was going like this, you know, and I was supposed to see if it ever broke, then I was supposed to run in there and help, all, all that kind of stuff. But here's my point. You have to see life as there's a time to rest, and then there's a time to get up and get going. Now, here's what happens to most people. They get saved. They go into a period of rest. Thank God when I die, I'm going to heaven, and that's the last spiritual thing they do. But the Bible says, now it's time to go to work. Now it's time to go to work. You've worshipped me. Sundays are a day of worship. We try to plan our worship services on Sunday to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to work. I found it interesting, the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. The first chapter of that book, there's 27 chapters, but the first chapter is just a dead calm. 
I mean, it doesn't get excited till you get to chapter 2. I mean, there's some good teaching there, but what I'm saying is there seems to be a little coasting, and then you start going into 2, and the, and the book begins to unfold. I mean, it's, it's okay to pray, but you've got to get up off your knees and do something. It, it's, it's good to be still and know he's, know he's God, but now what are you going to do? You can't be still all the rest of your life. You've got to get up and do what God wants you to do. Quietness, resting, and prayer, and waiting on the Lord, that's very important. Now, this is Sunday. It is a day of rest. At least we heard that. And, you know, I tell people I just work one day, on, and that's on Sunday, and most people think I work too long on that day. But anyway... This is what this day is about, folks. It's not about worrying about what money's going to hold. It's time to thank God for what's happened and to get ready for what's going to happen. And Lord, wherever you lead, I'm going to go. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. I am going to move forward under the power of your might, and I will follow you. We meet God first, and then we go out to serve. One of the biggest mistakes a church can make is to put people in service that have not been born again. You have to watch that so closely. You can love children and not be a born-again believer. But when you are a born-again believer and you do love children, you want those children as soon as possible to give their heart and their life to Jesus. I don't know how many but heaven has a record of children have been saved in vacation Bible schools. We're hundreds. We'll have 2,000 come to our Bible school here. That week is the most prolific week of the whole year of people coming to Christ. I remember years ago, I say, well, they're little kids. They don't know what they're doing. Well, you're 65 and you're still lost. Don't you know what you're doing? <laughs> you know, that don't make any sense. The Bible says the children are the greatest in the kingdom of God. The Bible says the little children will lead them. If you have the faith of a little child, you can enter the kingdom of God. If you think that your, that your study and your brain and your intellect and the score that you've made and the money you have in your pocket and the, and the position that you hold in your corporation are going to save you, you're wrong. The only thing that's going to save you is the faith of a little child. And that faith of a little child is literally to let go and let God. It's to just simply trust him. So we need to look at what we call worship. We need to look very closely. Fellowshipping is great, but worship is better. You know, we've got to be careful, folks. I may be meddling now instead of preaching, but I hope not. But we've got to be careful that our church services don't become like a birthday party where guests come and they visit with each other and they ignore the one being honored, the one's birthday it is. In other words, you can come to church and speak to 100 people that came to the same place you came to. But have you prayed since you've been here? Have you had that moment of worship? Did you just come down here to see your friends? I hope not, and I don't want to believe that, but it's a temptation. In other words, when say, come to the altar, 
while everybody's visiting with each other and so forth, how many come to the altar to talk to him? It's all about him. That's what worship is. Worship is being in his presence, singing to him, not our favorite song. We are to give to him all that we have in our time of worship. Worship is not singing songs, it's not hearing a sermon, it's not saying a prayer, and it's not lighting a candle. Worship is having quality moments to close your eyes to all the temptation and all the noise that is around you and trust the Lord to speak to you, to listen. Look into your Bible. This is his written words of his spoken word. But let him speak to you. I love church. When I was a little boy, I'd forgot totally about this until two, three days ago, I took Kathy and showed her where I was born. Since then, I've thought of something. That's where I preached my first sermon. 402 Johnson Street under a green tent. I decided I'd start a church. I was seven years old. I couldn't get anybody to lead the music, so I led the music. I couldn't get anybody to pray, so I prayed. And I knew we were supposed to baptize, so next door to us, there was a dog that needed to be baptized. <laughs> I'm telling you the honest truth. I got him under and out, and he didn't bite me, but he never came back into the yard again. <laughs> kind of reminds me of Christians today. You know what I'm talking about? They get baptized. Whoop, they're gone. They're not coming back. No telling what you're going to do the next time I come. But I've never found a time in my life, from the time I was young until right now, when I have felt alone. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which he's committed unto me against that day. And that's good for you too, if you are his child. I was playing church back then. But this is the real thing. The church is the real thing. We are the bride of Christ. Don't ever, ever, ever lose that thought. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, my church. That's what this is all about. No weapon is formed against us will prosper because that's the inheritance of the children of God. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When people discover that they're in the presence of God and they meet God for the first time, let me tell you some of the things they do. First thing you do is you throw away your idols. When you meet the living, resurrected God, you throw away your idols. We are subject to having idols we have all, in any area of life, you want to talk, there's their idols. I like this, I like that. I want this, I want that. We have special food we like, special entertainment, on and on and on. However, Genesis 35, 2, from the beginning of the Bible, says, put away the strange gods that are among you. Whenever you become a believer, you will get rid of the idols that you're worshiping. Many worship their money. Many worship their looks. Many worship their position in life. There's all kinds of idols. 
But to follow God, you must forsake those. Number two, you've got to obey God's word. This is not God's ten suggestions. It's God's ten commandments. This book is our book. It must be followed. As a group, we must promise. I'm talking about the church. We must promise to obey God's word. In Exodus 24, 7, all that the Lord has said will we do, and we will be obedient. Another thing that we do, we have great music that we can sing unto the Lord. We have all kinds of music. Everybody has a taste in music. But whatever your taste in music is, it ought to be the kind of music that you feel like allows you to worship, to glorify God, to know I'd sing unto the Lord what I feel in my life. You don't have to have a good voice to sing unto the Lord. He knows how to cut you off in a heartbeat because he knows what you're thinking. So if he can just know the words you're thinking, that's good enough for him if you can't sing, all right? So just don't quit praying because you don't have a good voice. Just be still and know that he is God. You know something else? When you start worshiping, it's real easy to be drawn to weeping. Jesus wept. It's very, very, you're not crying, feeling sorry for yourself, I hope, but you're weeping because there's some void in your life. There's something you're looking for and you cannot find. And it's just very easy for you to feel like nobody cares. Nobody cares for my soul. Nobody cares what I do. They don't care that I'm even alive. Oh, yes, he cares and he has a purpose. Nehemiah 8 9 said, all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Worship ought to be a time of really enjoying God. If you come in long-faced, not happy, I hope when you leave, if it's corporate worship, that you'll be smiling. When you find that secret spot and you go in, you fall on your face, you hope people don't hear you weeping and you hope nobody walks in on you. But when you get up, if you have gone to the Lord, you'll be able to walk away and know that all is well with your soul. I think, and Nehemiah, I think, wrote it good, that we ought to have a wonderful time just enjoying God. Just enjoying God. He says in the eighth chapter, verse 6, And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Boy, I bet people went away from that meeting shocked. They wonder, what in the world is going on in this place? If God ordains it, God will bless it. If it's something you thought of, he won't bless it. But we are to follow him. And when he shows up, when he shows up, we're never the same again. When we come to that moment that God shows up and we know he has showed up, good things began to happen. On the day of Pentecost, when the wind showed up, people didn't shut the windows and try to hold it out, but rather there was an experience there that leads on even to today. The power of God, the strength of God, the love of God. Wind is wind, and you can't trap it. You can't trap the wind. It comes in, it moves. And as the wind of the Holy Spirit comes, you simply move with it.
I was thinking this week about yesteryear of the great evangelists, the Billy Sundays, the Billy Grahams, the Bailey Smiths, the James Robinsons. Those evangelists, the Angel Martinez could quote the New Testament. Spanish boy, shine shoes in San Antonio, Texas for, for 10 cents a pair. He said, we were so poor, the poor people in San Antonio called us poor. He said, we put a sign in our yard that said, attention all local burglars, break in our house, find anything of value, we split it 50-50. <laughs> but Angel get in a pulpit with a blue tie, red shirt, orange coat, and green pants, and white shoes, and 100 people get saved. Amen. That's called the gift of evangelist. That's what Billy Graham had. A theologian wouldn't say Billy Graham's the greatest preacher there ever was, but I don't know of anybody that ever touched more souls than Dr. Billy Graham. He was called to do that. He started well. He finished well. That's the gospel. Wind is wind, though, and it's going to keep moving. It's going to keep moving. I want to remind you that God's name is I am, not I was. You hear me? He's a great I am. He's not mother and daddy's God. He better be your God. He is right now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Old things pass away and all things become new. Old things pass away. New things are arriving every day. We have to learn in every form of life. Whatever we do, there's new ways in sales. There's new ways in education. There's new ways in church. The church must stick to the Bible. But there are ways to, to adopt the teaching of the Scripture so that more people will come to the Lord than ever before. Amen. Now follow me. The children of Israel moved in one accord. That is so important. When God's people get together, He is there he, we gather around him. Everybody, everybody, we gather around him. Amen. When you read in the Old Testament, young people had one idea. Young mothers had another idea. The oldest probably never wanted to move at all, you know. Kids say, let's do that. Middle said this. Others said, like us, let's don't do anything. No, let's follow him. Amen. Let's follow him. We're getting closer to the trumpet sounding. We're getting closer to that moment when the dead in Christ are going to rise first and those that are alive and remain. The Lord is going to call us to be with him in the air. In the meantime, we need to love his church. It took a lot to give and take. In the story of Moses and moving all the people. But you know what? As they were bound to the promised land in the scriptures, God was there every single moment. Some grumbled. I remember my dad saying a sermon one time, and probably some of them cussed. It just got that bad. But God was there, moving, moving, moving. God has always said, Jesus has always said to us, Look to him. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's our goal. What is our plan for the future? Right there. Follow him. That's the plan. 
There's no other plan. Nobody has a plan that is of God unless God has either ordained it or has given to that person the plan. And when it happens, God takes over. Jesus said a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. All of Scripture points us to what I'm preaching today, and that is we must know Him. We must follow Him. We must abide by His teaching. We must love people as He loved people. We must avoid the appearance of evil. In other words, the things that this world is full of, of sin and hate and adultery and abortion and on and on. We shun that and we walk following him. I hope today as we move forward with our life that we know what we believe. I hope every one of us whether you stay in Houston or whether you go to the uttermost part of the world, you know who you're following. You are following Jesus. 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 Amen. You ever hear anybody say something like this in a marriage? Well, I wash your clothes. I cook your food. I clean your house. I take care of your kids. Why don't you think I love you? You've heard that. Don't look so spiritual. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Intimacy is what God wants all of us to have with those we love. Whether it's children, marriage partner, the church, the bride of Christ, but with him. That's the main thing. I do this, I do this, I give this, I give that, I got my Bible, I come to church every week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait, wait. Let's go back. Let's go back. Have you had a quiet time with God recently? Amen. Have you been willing to say, if the ball game was in Houston tonight and Jesus was in Galveston, where would you go? Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'll be there with you. You know what? If all we had was each other, we'd get on each other's nerves, wouldn't we? I tell you, those of y'all that don't know the outdoors, y'all need to change your ways. I mean, no wonder people are crazy and don't like the outdoors. Sometimes you need to go where there ain't anybody else and see a few sunrises and sunsets and be still and know he's God and cut off everything and cancel all parties you're going to and just get along with God and see what it'll do to change your life. When, you, when you're going on your vacation this, this, these summers, where do you go? Where all the people are? Well, yeah, that's where everybody goes. That's the reason I don't want to go. <laughs> Count me out. I don't care where you're going. I like Africa. That's where the monkeys are. And, and you know, it's kind of fun sometimes to just be with other kind of monkeys. <laughs> Let me close real quickly. But could I tell you something? Love of self is the most popular heresy in the modern church. I want what I want. 
and I want it done the way I want it done. And if it isn't done the way I want it done, I'm going to be very upset. Just be still and know that he's God. Just be still. God will take care of his church if the church is looking to him as the author and the finisher of our faith.